Welcome to Better Food Stories, a show that celebrates real food and the people and companies who make it. I'm Audrea Greenhoff, and in this interview series, I'm sitting down with the entrepreneurs behind some of today's newest and most innovative food brands out there to find out what it really takes to make it in this highly competitive space. Hey guys, welcome to Better Food Stories. My name is Audrea Greenhoff, and it has been a while. I'm excited to be back with you guys for new episodes of this podcast. If you've been following along for a while, you probably noticed that I took a break for the summer, um, just recharging my batteries, spending some time with my family and friends. Um, my husband and I actually traveled to Mexico and Nashville. Um, we actually just got back from Nashville this week. So a lot of time to kind of unwind, change perspectives, and now I'm happy to be back recording new episodes and introducing you to a fantastic new batch of food entrepreneurs. So I hope that through these episodes you discover new brands, rekindle your love for food, and gain some insightful nuggets of wisdom along the way. And remember, if you are enjoying these interviews, I would love if you can head on over to iTunes and leave a review. The more ratings that this podcast gets, the more other passionate foodies have a chance to discover and share in the conversations and with this content. So I would really appreciate it. So today I'm excited to introduce you to a cool new company. It's actually not a new company. They've been a while around for a while. And that company is called Brazi Bites. So what started off as a dream to share part of her Brazilian culture in the U.S. became a reality for Junia Rocha the entrepreneur and co-founder of Brazi Bites, which is making major waves in the frozen food space with their delicious freezer-to-oven cheese bread snacks. In this episode, I'm excited to introduce you to Junia as we chat about how she and her husband went from making cheese bread in their kitchen to launching a brand that's now available in major retailers, including Target, how Brazi Bites ended up on the popular TV show Shark Tank, and what Junia and her husband learned from that experience, and why Junia ultimately decided to go from a successful career in project management to launching a food company. As always, you could check out show notes to this and every episode of Better Food Stories on audriagreenhoff.com slash podcast. And now on to my conversation with Junia Rocha of Brazi Bites. So why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about who you are and what your company Brazi Bites is all about. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Junia. Um, I am the founder of Brazi Bites. Um, I am a Brazilian native who's been living in uh, Portland, Oregon since 2005, so about 14 years here in the U.S. And uh, my food company is uh, called Brazi Bites. And um, I started the company almost a decade ago to bring Brazilian cheese bread to the U.S. market. So it's, um, you know, it's essentially a food company who sells food products in grocery stores around the country. We don't have any brick and mortar stores. It's strictly sold in retail outlets. I love that. And I live in Miami. So this um, business made me really excited because we have a really big Brazilian community here um, in my neck of the woods. So I'm familiar with Brazilian cheese bread. I love it. So for anyone who might not be familiar, tell us a little bit about what is traditional Brazilian cheese bread? How is it made? And uh, how did you specifically get inspiration for your different flavors? 
So Brazilian cheese bread, for those who haven't heard of it yet, it's uh, essentially a staple in South America and the most popular snack food throughout Brazil and most countries in South America. So it's been around for hundreds of years and it's um, made with tapioca flour, which is a naturally gluten-free flour made of cassava roots. So it's everywhere. I literally grew up eating cheese bread for, um, you know, any family gatherings that I had. It was a staple in the school cafeteria. It's a staple at bakeries. It's it's a staple at home. And, um, you know, in in the last few decades, it became also a staple in grocery stores in Brazil sold in in the frozen format, which is the same format that I created Brazi Bites around. Um, it's not one that you just bake at home straight from frozen. So it's, you know, it's a delicious product. It's, it's a staple and it's just, you know, it's cheese bread and it's a part of the South American culture. And I just, I, I deeply love this product and it's always been one of my favorite foods. So, um, you know, for the Brazi Bites concept, it was inspired by my family's recipe of the Brazilian cheese bread, but we created multiple flavors around it to bring to market. I'm looking at some of the flavors now. You have cheddar parmesan, garlic asiago, which all sound delicious. How did you um, come up with those specific flavors? So the first flavor that we, we, we launched was the cheddar parm, which is essentially the traditional Brazilian cheese bread flavor. Mm-hmm. And when I was, you know, had the idea for the company, was starting the, co- starting the company, I really wanted it to be traditional. But, you know, so I wanted to be as true to the real thing as possible. And I also wanted to be delicious above everything else. You know, delicious was at the core and also the simple ingredients and wholesomeness to it. So the, the cheese that the Brazilian cheese bread is made in Brazil is not available stateside. So mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of testing and, and, and kitchen transformations of, of this and sort of testing multiple cheeses. I think back then we tested over 70 cheeses to try to come up with the perfect combination. And wow. then we did, you know, create the cheddar parm, which is the most delicious and traditional tasting of our flavors and um so that was a pretty easy way to start but it was not easy to get to because of that cheese uh, piece and then the other flavors we created it was just you know our ideas and what we believe that americans would love so we felt like you know garlic is a flavor that's really popular and uh, americans just love garlic bread and so we began testing and just doing a bunch of trying different cheeses and different types of garlics and all of that kind of stuff, always anchored by the tapioca flour. And then the garlic asiago flavor was born. Then we have, you know, we have a spicy flavor, pepper jack. We have um, a pizza flavor with three cheeses that was crafted to meet the demand from kids who we, you know, over time we learned were huge fans of the brand. And, and most recently, we created a cinnamon churro flavor, which we're all super excited about. That is our first sweet flavor. So, you know, a lot of like sort of market demand, our inspirations, and but a lot of testing behind the scenes to make sure it's so delicious above everything else. Who would you say are the core base of your customers and where are they finding about finding out about you now versus when you first started? 
So because the product and our whole brand, everything that we make is naturally gluten-free, anchored by the tapioca flour, the gluten-free consumer was a natural fit and they were really drawn to the brand immediately Mm -hmm. because all the products that we make are so delicious and naturally gluten-free. It was a perfect match. Um, So they became like really loyal fans and, um, and very quickly found us on the marketplace. And also like word spreads very quickly in the gluten-free community if something is truly delicious, right? So we were able to uh, grow quite a bit that way. And then um, we started to notice also that families were loving our products. Kids were really excited about the product because it's cheesy, it's round, it's cute, it's really easy. And so kids became a big, um, you know, consumer group for us. And their parents loved giving Brazil Bites to the kids because they're easy to make and natural, you know, simple ingredients, just pop them in the oven. So that became like a huge, um, you know, consumer base for us. And then, of course, you know, anybody who has been to Brazil and other countries in South America the Brazilians living stateside, they're huge fans and supporters of the brand as well. So talk to me about the, you know, the idea of this business. You know, you you grew up in Brazil, you had this family staple. Um, so obviously, you know, that's where the idea sort of sparked. But how did you go from idea to de- deciding that this could be a, a business? And what were the first steps that you took? So the idea kind of began to emerge um, was maybe like 10 years ago when um, I, my husband is is American and we had gone back to Brazil to get married and we had a big wedding there and we had a bunch of our American friends come to the wedding and um, we realized and we, we, you know, I already loved the cheese bread, but also realized that everybody was falling in love with it over and over again. I could hear, um, you know, Americans visit Brazil or learn something about Brazil and kind of have just named the cheese bread as their favorite thing from the country or from that visit, from that experience. So we kind of started noticing there was something there. And we were also at a stage in our careers that we wanted to do something else. We were both transitioning. We were in our late 20s and marching into our 30s and wanted a shift. So then we started tossing ideas of Brazilian products and staples. One of the ideas that we had back then was coconut water as well. Um, but in 2009, 2010, coconut water market here in the U.S. was already starting to develop and it was kind of picking up quite rapidly. Mm-hmm. So we realized that we were a little bit late for that opportunity. You know, just looking at there were already players on the market. It was going to be hyper competitive. Equally, we were excited about the cheese bread idea and so felt like that one, there was a lot of green space. Nobody was doing it the right way, introducing, you know, with the right message and the right recipe and just communicating that passion that Americans had experienced. So, you know, that's how the sort of idea developed in the early days. And from that on, we took steps to learn the industry create the recipes, brand the products, and ultimately take it to market and make it available in stores. I love, you know, so many so many people have ideas, but to see, you know, people who, who follow through and build impressive businesses like what you've done, I think that's so cool. 
You mentioned um, in our email exchange, one of your company's biggest quote uh, wins was when you appeared on Shark Tank. You mentioned that in 2015, you mentioned that was sort of a turning point for your business. What was that experience like? Being with Shark Tank was amazing for us. It was a great experience. I, you know, I was already a huge fan of the show as an entrepreneur and founder. Mm-hmm. So loved watching the entrepreneurs there and uh, was a huge fan. So we started to decide to pursue the show. Thought it was, you know, we were raising money at the time. So thought that it would be, a, you know, a good opportunity for us. So being on the show and being accepted was a huge win and just an amazing opportunity. Um, little did we know that what ha- would happen when the sh- episode aired, like transformed the path of Brazi Bites in our personal careers. So, you know, before we went on the show, we were already out there. Um, we were definitely not one of the companies that you see that just had an idea and showed up on TV Sure. And uh, for the first time, we were already out there. We had distribution at Whole Foods. We were in almost a thousand stores. We had developed a, a, a brand identity. We knew what, what of the challenges. So we were really well positioned to be at the show at that time. And um, we knew also that we had something really special that the consumers who had tried the product were loving it. But we were also pretty small. So not enough people knew about us, right? So we were kind of in that stage of, of growing a company that you're working really hard. You know you have something really awesome and delicious and special, but not enough people know about you. And you just kind of have to make this business viable. So being on this show was just a perfect moment for us because the sharks ate, you know, they sampled Brazi Bites and they loved it, just like we thought they would. Um, they fell in love with it. They said it was so delicious they couldn't believe it was gluten-free. And so, you know, 9 million people watched the show. Um, it was a Friday night in November. So it was right before Thanksgiving, sort of that time of year where people are closing up and thinking about delicious foods. And so what happened after that, it was the demand for the product and our company just skyrocketed beyond our wild dreams. Um, and it was... It wasn't sort of an inflated and fake demand. It was real. People literally drove to stores the next day and the next week and the next month. And they bought every bag that we sold. And they kept wanting more and more and more. And as more people tried Brazi Bites, more people were falling in love with it and telling their friends and their family. So it sort of created this inflation of opportunity of love and of growth for a company that just took us to a whole new level. It was amazing. That's fantastic. And you obviously, you know, looking even at your website and listening to your story, it's so apparent that you have such a strong brand story, um, which is another reason I was really excited to talk to you. Um, You know, this space, as I'm sure you know, the food space, there's always new products coming out. It's so competitive. And I think what kind of differentiates the brands that are really successful like yours are really strong brand messaging um what would you say is your brand's core message and how has that translated into your packaging and the way that you're talking on social media and all of that 
Yeah, so what you're saying is kind of so true, right? Um, the, the brand message and the brand architecture needs to all tie in together and be cohesive and be aligned with your values, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, and the consumer is going to know that right away. So what we've done at Brazi that I think it's, it's helped us be successful is, you know, we have really strong values around the product having to be delicious. Like we obsess about the deliciousness of the product. Um, and so also things like that are important to us that are reflective on the brand, like our products are made with simple and wholesome ingredients. They're easy to make. They're fun. And so the way that we put that into a brand architecture is through things like colorful packaging and really bold colors. You see sort of like intentionally imperfect lines design and you see like fun elements to the design in our messaging so kind of all tying back together sort of delicious simple easy fun um and so but you do see like one of the the things that is really cool about our brand is how colorful and bold um it looks on shelf especially when you know our brand is in the freezer section so it's even more competitive you yeah. only have a limited number of freezer doors. You have the glass from the freezer that is just sort of an, another barrier to be discovered. So you really have to make sure that your brand pops and communicates clearly the message to the consumer so they can very quickly make that choice. What would you say now that you have been in this space for quite some time, what do you think is the most exciting and also most challenging part about being a food entrepreneur right now in 2019? Most exciting to me is in particular being a part of the natural foods industry, like in CPG, mm -hmm. is a really exciting place to be, right? So if you think about like, you know, the junk food that, that invaded grocery stores in the U.S., and the, the sort of the shift back to natural and real ingredients and no preservatives that was really ignited by Whole Foods back in the 80s and then in the last decade has gone mainstream, just being a part of that fast-growing industry is really exciting. Um, you know, when we go to trade shows and we're networking with other brands, we are experiencing all these unique products that are delicious and this, these entrepreneurs are pushing boundaries on flavors and ingredients and trying to bring these innovative products to market. That is so much fun, you know, always seeing those products. And I'm, I'm a consumer of those products. I like being in that space and hearing the message and just challenging the old ways of the junk food industry that kind of took over, you know, for so many decades. So that, you know, I just love that part um, of our industry. And um, I would say the most challenging piece is it's, it's highly competitive, you know, food in general in, in grocery stores is, is a low margin business. And um, the giants from, you know, it's, there's sort of like a bunch of giants. And then there's a sort of layer of emerging brands trying to be innovative. And you're competing with deep pockets from the giants. And you're like, you're really fighting literally is a fight, you know, for your shelf space, yeah. that term is used really in our industry. Like you're fighting for shelf space. You're fighting for attention to the consumer. It's crowded. And so it's, um, it can get stressful, you know, it can get stressful because of it. Yeah, definitely. And I would say the audience of this podcast is 
sort of split between, um, you know, really big foodies who are interested in discovering new brands like yours. And then the other half is food entrepreneurs like yourself. Is there any, um, you know, maybe for a new food entrepreneur who might be listening, who's toying with an idea of starting a business in this space, what would you tell them? I think that you, you gotta, you know, if you have an idea, if you have a dream of a food product, you've got to, you know, try to put it out there and see how, how people respond to it. Um, there are easier ways to do that without a lot of commitment and a lot of investment. Serve your local farmer's market, you know, try to do like local events and try to start gauging your ideas. And, and if that idea is well received, then you can start, um, just studying this space and what would take to make it into a true business. You know, the, one of the biggest challenges that, that sort of like overwhelms is like distribution and, com, you know, how competitive it is and how low margin, but I think you, you can just put it out there, you know, put it out there at a farmer's market, put it out there in an event, put your idea out there. Don't be afraid of feedback. And if, if the feedback is not, is not great, then, you know, but you might, you might have something special too. That's worth putting out there. Yeah. I love that advice. That's great advice. Let's go back for a minute to life before Brazi Bites. I know you had a bit of a different career uh, before you became a food entrepreneur. So why don't you tell our audience, what were you doing before you started this business and was becoming an entrepreneur something that you always wanted? So before I became an entrepreneur and started Brazy Bites, I actually used to work in construction, of all things, and that surprises most of people. I have a civil engineering degree, um, and so when I moved here to the U.S., I was fresh off of college, and so ended up getting a job working for a construction company as a project manager, and did that for almost 10 years, and so... It's totally different, but also really helped with um, some of the things that I really need to run this company, like, you know, project management skills, focus and analytical skills. So really different. But um, yeah, that's what I that's what I did for almost a decade before I became a food entrepreneur. That's so crazy. And did you always, you know, when you were a kid, what did you think about being coming when you grew up did you have any you know aspirations of maybe having a business one day you know I never had a sort of um, a guiding star that said someday I'll own a business I was you know that was not me what I did realize very early on is that like really when I got my first internship when my teen years is that I loved working I just loved being productive. I loved, I, I, I had a hard time being on vacation because I wanted to get back to a routine and to be, a, you know, a, a producer of, of the society. And so, um, you know, it obviously took a decade in my 20s to find my ground in business. I think right when you graduate from college and when you're younger, you don't have all these skill sets fully developed to really succeed and it takes you know several years to an experience to really do you know get to the that spot in your career and so that's kind of what happened to me um I, what i you know as i got kind of got into like growing a career and working for others working for a corporation i realized that i had a lot to give i realized that i'd love to work and so in my late 20s i real also realized that i could probably try something on my own 
and be successful when I would put so much heart and energy into it, the same that I had put everywhere else, that um, I kind of had a good profile to be an entrepreneur. But I would not say, and I, you know, I think that a lot of people feel like either they have that, you know, that fire that from the day they were born, they need to do something. Um, otherwise, they shouldn't be doing that thing. And I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I think that you can kind of change your goals as as you grow, as you mature, and as you get to know yourself better. And so I think that's what happened to me as I matured and I grew. I realized that being an entrepreneur was a great match for my personality, but I did not know that back then. Well, this has been so fun. I thank you so much for for chatting with me. I loved getting to know you and your brand, and I'm sure that the listeners are going to be excited as well. Before we wrap up, I love to do some fun closing questions with all of my guests. Are you up for that? Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. Okay, so question number one. What is the last movie or TV show that you watched? Well, okay, so Chernobyl, actually. I watch, I've been watching Chernobyl on HBO and uh, docu-series. I don't know if you've seen it. Yes, I actually so, started watching it too. I'd love to hear your thoughts so far. I love it. I love it. It was, um, yeah, it was a nail-biter and it was um, super interesting and important and I watched, yeah, I recently watched Chernobyl and I, I was pretty into it. Did you finish the, the series completely? I did. Oh, I did. Awesome. I'm glad that you liked it. I'm watching it with my husband. I think we're about to the, the third episode. So I'm really into it. So I'm excited to see the rest. Yeah, for sure. Worth finishing. It's a good one for binge watching for those who like binge watching. It's, cool. um, yeah, worthwhile. Cool. Number two, if you could only eat three foods for the rest of your life, what would they be? Well, okay, so I will say that I'll, I'll name three, but one of them is sort of like a combination. Okay. Um, so one is, is sort of a combination of rice and beans. So I, I say that as kind of a one, because as a Brazilian, the rice and beans always come together, and it's just like so delicious and nutritious and just like a part it's a staple for me. Yeah. I would say rice and beans is one. Um, number two is a watermelon. Ooh. I am totally obsessed with watermelon. Um, totally obsessed. When I was pregnant with my son, I was eating mountains of watermelon. I <laughs> love watermelon juice. I love watermelon everything. Love so it. So super obsessed with it. Yeah. And the third one, I have to say, is cheese bread. I love, love it. That. Love it. Can't live without. Reason why I started this company. That's fantastic. Those are all good choices. My um, my family is Cuban, so I can feel you on the rice and beans. It's a staple for sure. I don't. I mean, it's a, with everything, right? <laughs> totally, totally. And I feel like I feel like that just sustains you for everything. Yeah, yeah, it does. It goes with everything. <laughs> it's filling. I like that. Okay, number three. Where is your favorite place that you've ever traveled to? Favorite place that I've traveled to recently was Amsterdam. Ooh. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah, I have a very good friend who lives there, and she showed me, like, around. Um, really good time. I love biking everywhere. I love the parks, the food, the people watching. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. And number four, what is one thing most people would never guess about you? 
I would say that I worked in construction, <laughs> which we talked about a little bit earlier. But if, uh, you know, most people that get to know me now at this stage in my life would never guess that I used to work in construction. Well, thank you so much. This has been super fun. And before we um, kind of wrap things up, where can people learn more about you and Brazi Bites? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Um, you can find all the information about Brazi Bites at brazibites.com. We have a store locator there, and you, you just by going in, put your zip code, it will show you all the stores around you. And just remember, they're in the freezer section. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this interview. If you want to check out more interviews in the Better Food Stories series, you can follow me at Audrea Greenhoff on Medium or visit audreagreenhoff.com. I'm also Audrea Greenhoff on Twitter and Instagram.